Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the show, guys. Today I'm with Jeffrey Slater, an entrepreneur, international speaker, best selling author. Super successful guy, shared a stage with Richard Branson, generated millions of dollars, impacted millions of lives. Doesn't need to work, but he does it because he loves it. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey Slater. Thank you. It's a, um, it's a privilege to be here. I'm looking forward to connecting. Awesome, man. So let me just, uh, let's just set the scene. Tell, tell us where you are and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your day. Right now I am in uh, Byron Bay. So it's nice. And I have a beautiful piece of Toast in front of me that with some honey and some, uh, some cashew stuff on it. I don't know. It's really good. So, and the scene is me with a microphone talking to a good guy who also surfs yeah. and makes a difference in people's lives. So thank you. Thanks yeah, for having me on. Cool, man. Well, I'm really excited about this chat. I think we got um, a lot of exciting things to explore. And yeah, I really just want to get deep into um, your idea or basically the work that you do, the impact that you've been having on people. I've been, I've been watching... Uh, from the outside, and it's just been really inspiring. So tell, tell me a little bit about what success means to you. Mm. Well, it's changed over the years. I can only talk about what it is now, but I can... Well, success used to be kind of like, for me, I didn't know it, but you know those greyhounds that they race? Yeah. And I'm not really into those greyhound races. I think, um, I, think that I, I feel for those doggies. I like dogs, but... Um, you know, I was one of those, like they start the race and the greyhound runs and all the greyhounds that are running, 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 running. And they're after the rabbit and the mainstream culture defines success as a white picket fence, a big house and, a, um, and, uh, nice cars and maybe a plane or a boat or whatever. Um, and millions in the bank. And that's the definition of what success is. And so I, I ran after that, you know, and I had my own definition of what that is and everyone does. And I, I got the rabbit, the metal rabbit, but I didn't know it was metal. And, uh, and I'm really grateful that I had that experience because I got to actually bite the rabbit and realize that it was metal. Uh, and, uh, and it was quite a revelation, actually. Mm. Uh, a direct experience of, whoa, success and the definition of success is not what I thought it was. And then I tried to go back and tell the other greyhounds that, <laughs> that, it's, <laughs> that it's a metal rabbit. And, uh it's not everything that it's all cracked up to be. Yeah. And, uh, and the other greyhounds think I'm nuts. But that's okay because I was one of those greyhounds too that wanted to hit the rabbit. Um, and, <laughs> and so achievement's not all it's cracked up to be. And really what I realized and I had to – but I, what I realized was I had to get the rabbit and experience it myself. Um, and everyone's got a different definition of what that rabbit is and they should get it. They should get that rabbit and taste it and feel it. And, uh, and then, then what I began to notice is what really what success is for me now after realizing it was a metal rabbit is I do like a house. Um, I like living in a place or places that I enjoy. So it's really important to me to have a place that's near the ocean cause I surf. So that's it. Um, I like organic food. So if I have good food, I'm very content. Uh, and the other one is, is great friends, good conversations, um, deep conversations that enlighten, uh, uh, others and myself and uh, they're inspiring so I love that I love uh, sharing and I love learning and I really love um, some of the 
ancient traditions with uh, some of these amazing etheogens and plant medicines. I think those are amazing. Um, and I love that. And, and the ability to do what I love when I want to do it and not have to do anything if I don't want to, that for me is success. Mm. So Awesome, man. There's some real nuggety stuff we'll get into there. But in my personal experience, so, so I, I know what you're talking about. You have this uh, myth, I guess you could call it, of success or whatever it is that culture perpetuates, whatever it is that you tend to chase as a, as a young man in your early 20s. And um, yeah, I, I, I've been there myself. And um, wh- what for you was, was the moment, was the defining moment where you thought, well, what was that metal rabbit like? And what was the, I guess, the breaking of the teeth uh, mm. as you chow down on that metal rabbit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few different times. First one was money. And, uh, you know, when I, uh, when, I got, when I bought my first house, I was 20. Was it 20 or 21? I don't remember. I was in my, between 20 and 21. I try and be as precise as possible, but... Sometimes I'm, you know, I was around 21 or something. Bought my first house. It was a pink house. And uh, it was investment property. I thought that when I finally closed on a deal that it would change things. And it was, did. It made some money for me. Then I bought another and another and another and another. And it didn't seem to do much. Um, so I thought it was buying my first investment property. And then I thought it was making my first million. Um, and that wasn't it. And, uh, and then I thought it was, okay, I'm going to be on the biggest stages in the world. And, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe I went on stage with Tony Robbins or Sir Richard Branson, uh, with thousands of people that that would be it. And that wasn't it either. Uh, so a lot of bites, you know, a lot of teeth. And then I thought maybe when I have the perfect, perfect partner and the perfect marriage or whatever, that that was it. And that wasn't it either. So I really just am left with the original premise and the original question of who am I in relationship to my, um, to myself and, and that's it. Uh, and I'm, I've really discovered that it's really a big mystery to me, and I'm still discovering it. Uh, but I, I, I no longer look for um, getting the exact. I, no, I, I, I no longer I seek out as much beauty as possible in my life, and that's been my biggest quest. Because I, I feel like as human beings, we recognize what beauty is, uh, and that's the easiest to to discern. And so, and I try and see beauty even in, in as, as many situations as possible. It seems my life has become better that way. Cool. So from an early age, did you have any exposure to Eastern philosophy or anything like that? Or was that something that you just sought out yourself? It kind of found me. I was 20 and I was, I had done some seminars at the time and I, and, and it still was just a lot of mind chatter that was going on. And I was walking through this thing called Target. And Target's those big shopping center, kind of those, those, whatever they call them, or they sell a bunch of stuff. And it was a book section. And there was a section called How to Meditate. I hadn't tried that. So I picked up that book and I, I read it. And it said meditate for 20 minutes a day. So I implemented that when I was about 20 years old. And that started to change things for me. I made that a habit. After a month or so, I started changing how I ate naturally without thinking about it. And then different types of books started to show up like Rumi and Hafiz, poetry and uh, Eastern philosophies, you know, Paramahansa, Yogananda. And then I started going on this quest while I was doing business and buying investment properties and stuff, I was in this kind of secret quest of discovering, going to ashrams and buying my head against some gurus and, and then sitting in silence and starving myself. That was a fun experience. Trying to discover myself, right? While, try, while making money and partying like a rock star as well. Um, you know, it, it was a dual, dual life. It was quite interesting. But I never, even though I would go out and I would 
party. Um, and be, you know, it kind of led me some crazy places, but I didn't drink and I didn't really, I, I didn't do any coke, like any, um, I didn't do any synthetic drugs, none of it actually, but I was still, I, I was meditating and then, and living that life. And then I was going out and living kind of this high life simultaneously. I would literally be in hotel rooms in Vegas and when everyone would leave, I would secretly meditate in the closet. So I'd make sure I do my meditation that day. And it was crazy. It was a dual life. Was, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So, what, what were the immediate effects of your initial days uh, meditating? Uh, the immediate effects were I, I felt better. I had more space in between my thoughts. The, I felt like I actually had something to say, where before I always had to fill the space because I was afraid, afraid of space and afraid of silence. So then my words became more interesting and, uh, and they, they, and music became more fascinating to me. It, I, the space in between the notes became more interesting and my creativity started to increase and, uh, people started to share more about themselves around me and started to get in deeper conversations and I had less anxiety, but still, you know, still it didn't quite, there was still something missing. Even after meditating, reading books, going to seminars, there was still something missing. And it wasn't until I started to work um, with some of these ethiogens like ayahuasca and San Pedro and Cambo um, that that started to kind of really accelerate the um, accelerate the path of not knowing much at all. Awesome, <laughs> and, man. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's talk about some of these things. So. I think that probably ayahuasca is more well known or, or these days than, than, than it was before and probably out of the three substances you mentioned, it's probably the best known. Can you just talk to us a little bit about ayahuasca? Wow. Um, I know, big question. But okay, what is it? What is it? Um, well, it's a plant medicine and it's made of two vines with a, uh, sorry, a, a vine and a, plant and a, and a um, the leaf. I'm not really going to go into the technical details. If someone wants all the science, they can look it up. But what it is is a tea that's, that's served in the Amazon. And if you look up ayahuasca, people can check it out. It'll give you all the research on what it is. What I can only tell you is my experience um, of it and how it relates to business itself. And I think that'd be an interesting place to go. Um, because most, because uh, what I've discovered for myself is, is, is this. When I go meditate, now people listening to this probably are also on the are thinking about them, thinking to themselves, how do I make more money? How do I have a life by my design? How do I get more customers? And I will assert that that doing this type of work at the um, if you're called to work with these plant medicines actually will support that immensely if that's something that is really meant to happen. So don't they're not two separate domains; they actually are deeply tied. And if I could tell you some of the names of people I've gone through ceremonies with, I, I'll tell you about my project in a little bit. You would have a deep. Uh, you might take a listening to it because some of the top executives in the world have worked with this medicine, and uh, and I've actually been through some of the ceremonies with them. And so it's it's not something that's just done by a bunch of hippies. It's actually done by people that are really willing to turn themselves inside out. And it's definitely not for everybody. But uh, but before we throw it out as some hippie thing, and it doesn't relate to doing what you're here to do in the world, um, I I want to. I want to set a context like that because, because some of the 
most incredible people who make things happen in the world. They might not tell you that they've done it because they have publicly traded companies and things like that, but they have done some deep inner work um, with these medicines and it's profoundly impacted their businesses and their lives. And uh, I just want to say that before I go into it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, Um, And I think it's good to set the scene because, yeah, yeah, I mean, and also just to separate it from this notion of it being a drug. um, Like I, I believe that just just to further set the scene, like this is a, a naturally occurring um, mixture of substances and has been part of a a, 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 a ritual and a and a tradition in South America for many 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 years. And it's not and it's very much a ceremonial practice. This is not like like a recreational uh, substance or anything like that. And in my own personal experience, there's sort of like a, it's very hard to put into words, isn't it, Jeffrey? But there's it's sort of like there's a little bit of therapy thrown in there, isn't there? Um, oh yeah. So yeah, tell us tell us about your experience. Uh, my experiences, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, it's always the more the more I work with um, these medicines, the more I realize I, I, how little I actually know. So I have to pay a lot of respect to the people in the jungles because they, it's their life, and uh, and so uh, it, it's my experience of it was a dissolving of boundaries between myself and my fellow human beings. Um, also, I I had a direct experience of of uh, increasing empathy of myself and um, and then the world around me. So uh, feeling more. And when we feel more, we can interact more effectively with the world around us. And I, moving from my head more to my heart. And how does that affect my business? It allows me to make more intuitive decisions quicker and faster. In a, let's say, a sales conversation or a leadership conversation, um, I will I will trust my instinct um, more than my, um, more than, more than what, more than my concerns of what other people will think. And before I started, before, even with meditation, until I started working with these medicines, I was still concerned about what a lot of people thought about my, where I went next, what I did next. And I have less and less of that. Sometimes I do, but in the end, I know that, that, uh, that really, uh, we're here to live for us and, and, and if we if we are always concerned about what everyone else thinks about what we do and how we do our lives, then we will become a slave to them and their thoughts. And I'm interested in being sovereign in uh, you know in expressing my sovereignty as a human being, and uh, and I'd like my other fellow human beings to do the same. And the more they can go back to themselves, and the more we go back to ourselves as the original premise of who we are as human beings, then what be, what I began to show what began to show up through these experiences for me was was more in alignment with my true soul's journey. Less concerned what people think. Um, ability to embrace um, more of the areas that I, uh, that I was afraid of, you know, that I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. That, that um, it's okay that, you know, I used to want to solve the mystery of the universe. Now I'm just really clear that it's just a mystery and, and the best way to solve it is to be the mystery. And there's nothing to solve in the first place. That kind of gave me a lot of relief um, because I was spending a lot of my energy <clears throat> trying to find the truth. And, uh, and really the truth is so vast and so big that our logical brain will never com- my logical brain will never comprehend it. So now it's just about seeking as many beautiful moments as possible in my life. And my business has now become more of an expression of that. I was sitting on a plane with my father, and this is a, probably a good link to it, um, and I asked, my dad was the uh, co-founder and first CEO of a company called Odesk, which is now Upwork, 
which is the largest outsourcing company in the world online. It's the biggest in the industry. He's no longer there. He, he got it started. He raised the money, and now he's probably in the pool right now, hanging out. Um, but I asked him, I said, Dad, what did you learn from, you know, what did you learn from me around business? And he said, son, what I learned was when I started a business, I started a business to make money. And, um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to be in business. This is his first business. And he said, um, he said, and I was really busy being busy and building companies and things of that nature. He said, and then I tried to jam my lifestyle into it. He goes, what I noticed you've done that's differently is you started with what's the life that you want. You really asked yourself at the core level, what's important to you. And I would say that some of these ethiogens and these method and these meditation um, practices allow us to ask and inquire our deepest selves. Mm-hmm. So he said, son, what you did is you ask, what do you want? Where do you live? Where do you want to live? How do you want to live? Who do you want to spend your time with? Um, what's your best expression in the world? Uh, and, and you ask yourself those questions. And then what you did is you built a business to support that, where I did it the opposite. So he goes, what I've learned from you is start with what you love first and what you love to do and then build a business to support that. Now, how does this pertain to, um, to plant medicine specifically or some of these ethiogens is it's pretty hard to, to be anything than what you truly are in front of these medicines. Uh, what I learned was that the Western world, uh, it, we always have to keep up this front at times uh, in the Western world about you have to be somebody, you have to look this way, you have to do this. And it's a quite, I found it quite exhausting. And so there's, there's what your heart wants to do. And then there's the front, there's this image that has to be created. And, and earlier on in my life, I I was, I had to kind of keep that, manage that. And it was like two people managing almost two personalities. And it was just exhausting. And I didn't even know I had it going on. And when I started meditating and turning myself inside out, I started to, to, to really get to know the, the innermost self parts of myself and that, that having to manage that other persona that the Western world wants us to keep started to fall away. And, um, and that became quite nice. And I would say that these ayahuasca and San Pedro, you know, all of them do an amazing job tobacco too, um, of, of stripping away any sort of persona because they won't interact. They'll only interact with you at that, at the deepest levels. And, and what I've learned from them is that I have medicine within myself and we all do as human beings. So it's a real authenticity uh, experience. I feel that one thing is different between meditation and these ethiogens, with, especially with my executive clients, um, is you know when we're sitting around a, a ceremony or anything like that in Peru or let's say Brazil, we, you, the tea's in front of you. You know when you go meditate, you don't shiver in, 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 in this unknowing kind of excitement or fear or, or about what's going to happen next. You go, you go and you sit on the mat and you breathe and you meditate (laughs) and you're not worried about, are you going to, are you going to, you know, are you going to, what are you going to see? You don't worry about that. Meditation's like, I'm putting the gas on. I'm trying to go inward into myself. I'm, I'm putting my foot on the gas. When you work with these, these ethiogens, it's more like your foot's on the brakes and you're trying to manage how fast you're, you're like, slow down, slow down, slow down. And whoa, 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 I really am eternity. I had no idea. And, uh, and it's terrifying. And so you know you're in the presence of something really raw and real when you're slightly scared and you're at that edge. 
And I've seen some of the most successful business people in the world in a ceremony and taken them to ceremonies in the jungles. And we're looking around each other and we all have the tea in our hand or, and, and we're looking and we're just, and these guys have massive success and they're, and we're all terrified <laughs> and wondering what's going to happen next. And that is where we find our edge as human beings. Hmm. That was a long-winded answer, but there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now that's really interesting. Yeah, I think <clears throat> there's a, there's a lot there to dissect. So yeah, this this idea of stripping back what is inauthentic so that we get to the core of who we actually are. Um, I think that's definitely something that's um, a commonality across many people's experience with these substances. I guess what the, the question that I often feel from people who are afraid or who are skeptical um, is is this one. Um, how can putting a foreign substance into my being um, lead to any sort of authenticity? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like th- this idea of like putting something from outside of yourself into yourself. Um, how do you answer that sort of question? Well, usually, um, you know, I, I, I understand. That's a very good question. They should be asking that. And uh, I just realized for myself that I'm not really a skeptic unless I can be skeptical about my actual skepticism. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and I also have to ask myself, you know, because I, I, I also understand that. That's a good question. They should be asking that. And I also have to ask myself, so um, people will spend their whole lives arguing that it's that it, arguing something, but they won't actually go through the experience. And... Uh, and if you look at the science behind it, and they, people should do the research before they make the, the judgments. If you look at the science behind it, there's countless studies about how this is actually made up of the same substance that's in our brains anyway. But, they, but they're quick to judge. And um, it's unfortunate because sometimes uh, – so these medicines, I have seen the most skeptical scientists and business people with all their skepticism and all their logic and it's all beautiful and everything. But bring it to the table. Let's see what happens. And, uh, and if, you know, you do five ceremonies and you come out the other side and you still think the world is just your five senses and you really feel that authentically, that it's just that and there's nothing beyond what you see, then fine, keep that. But if you can't, but if you're not willing to do the work, then I just have nothing really to say around it. (laughs) And not everybody should go through it, but it's a little bit like this. If somebody goes up to you and goes, and you, you like orange, let's say you like orange juice, right? I love orange juice and you taste orange juice. And somebody goes, you don't like orange juice. Orange juice, orange juice, you don't like orange juice. You're just, that's not your thing. No, no, I really like orange juice. I've tasted orange juice. Um, it's pretty, when someone's had a direct experience about something, uh, you can't really tell them otherwise. So life is not about having beliefs. Don't believe anything I'm saying around this stuff. Just go have a direct experience for yourself and that's mm. what's valid. Uh, and not everybody should be working with these medicines. It, 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 there's, there's a whole dark side to the other side of that stuff too. So do the research. But one thing I will say is if, you're, if you feel called within yourself, do the research and see where it leads you next. Because I've been stu- for me, I've been studying psychotherapy to family systems work to NLP, holographics NLP, to meditation for 15 years. And I just, I'm, I, and I just am amazed that this stuff... that this isn't out there for as many people as possible to awaken themselves and support them in that. I agree, I agree. But I think the the movement is underway, isn't it, Jeffrey? It sure is. I mean, you know, it's a vine, so maybe she's working her way through things. But definitely everybody, it's not for everybody, and they need to do the research. Um, 
Yeah. And and they must do it in a safe safe place. And ayahuasca is a nice kind of intro. And there's a whole other beautiful world of these. There's forty thousand species or more in the Amazon that are there to support us as human beings. Hmm. Yes. So just to just to, to frame a little bit about how I how I see this fitting into a path. Uh, for me, we're talking about altered states of consciousness, and into altered states of consciousness, you could put meditation you could talk about flow state so that 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 state of immersion when whether you're surfing or whether you're washing the dishes um, you could put into there like those creative states as well um, there's all sorts of altered states of consciousness like a dream state is an altered state of consciousness so i think like it's it's important to like demystify this idea of altered states of consciousness and also let it be known that this society or this culture that we're living in kind of perpetuates this one level of consciousness, um, this five senses level of consciousness. And we're, we're simply talking about opening different doors to have another look at the, the multi-dimensions. Do you, do you agree with that perspective? Oh, yeah. And I would just look at what is legal in most countries. Mm. We'll tell you about the state of consciousness that's actually be, um, really allowed. We're, we alter our consciousness when people drink alcohol. What are you altering your consciousness to? When you have coffee and that's made of um, the inorganic coffee that's what is your consciousness being altered to? We're always altering. My toast is altering my consciousness right now. Mm. So, so we're, we are made of we are we are alchemy. We are made of, um, and we are changing the alchemy of our being with everything. The, uh, and and so, the, I think the best question to be asking is what are the what are the frontiers? What are the final frontiers of direct experience for yourself? And that will lead you to, and, and what tools and would support you in that while you're still staying organic and, um, and healthy uh, along the way. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is just something that I found in my own life that usually the truth is usually the most suppressed and the most ridiculed. And I have reason, and I definitely think that main, mainstream culture does not have our best interests in mind. They don't, they're not, you know, the mainstream medical tool culture is not out to produce more things to really help. They're out for straight ahead profits. Um, and some, and there are good people in those medical industries too that want to make a difference. But most of the time it's, 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 it has a different agenda. So I just am going back to myself and trusting my own instinct. And that's all I ask for my fellow, um, my fellow human beings, trust your instinct. Mm. So let's go back to, so your conversation with your father, you talked about what I see is like the, the the standard way that our culture perpetuates, which is in, which is basically backwards, which is spend your whole life um, doing something that you that doesn't necessarily fulfill you in order to try and do the stuff that you actually enjoy, rather than just start on the foundation of what do you love doing, how do you want to design your life, and then work the other way. So, did this realization or thoughts like this come about? during, after experiences that you'd had with psychoactive substances? Um, it started really with when I was altering my consciousness in my own meditations. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think we have a right to explore our consciousness. So at an early age when I was 20, when I started meditating, I was altering my consciousness with my own intent. And, uh, and, and I began to explore myself and the frontiers within myself at an early age. So it started, and I started just asking questions. What do I want? Where do I want to live? How much is it going to cost? How much money do I need to make to have that life? Um, how often, what kind of clothes, do, you know, like I just really made a list. I actually priced it out. 
and uh, and I worked backwards from there when I was 20. And I just I, it was just standing the, the way I figured it out was stand in the future of where you want stand in the future, and then work backwards because there's really no past or future. It's just one big smeared out now. Mm. Explain that. I, I I the only thing that's real is what's happening right now. Everything else is um distraction. And everything we need is in the moment is available to us in that moment. And even even information that is so-called in the future, it already exists here right now because because everything's already happened. It's all contained in this moment. Now that's a little trippy and a little bit different way to think. Um it just it's just far more interesting to think and to hold that paradigm and hold that space than that, I, that there's somewhere to go. I find myself exhausted with thinking about that there's somewhere to go. And I find myself far more at peace when everything is, where I, everything is exactly where it should be right here, right now in this moment. And if I'm called to move or say something, I'll do it. A bird's not worried about what it's going to sing. A bird just sings. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about time, linear time, because this is one of the themes that pops up every time um, I go on ceremony or I... I um, ingest something like ayahuasca. But um, yeah, this, the whole, when you look at our society and all the, the running away from past or running towards something in the future, and then you think about the, the philosophy or the spiritual path that has been presented by many wise traditions over in the East and about presence and being in the moment. And, and, it's, and it's almost like a cliche in our culture. You just got to be in the moment. You just got to, the power of now, you just got to live in the moment. <laughs> It, it's almost become so overstated that it's almost like, what, what is the meaning of this? But when I had um, my experience in the jungle, it was, it was like, wow. All of a sudden, I, I understood on a very deep level the illusion of time, and I really understood that past, present, and future is all just happening all at the same time. And I can't even put it into words. And, and none, of the, none of the books on physics that I've read about this, this sort of thing can really put it into cogent words either. Maybe it is just something you have to experience. And, and exactly. And, don't, that's, and, and after all the books and all the books and the meditations, until I had a direct experience of it, I didn't understand it. Yeah. And, I can't, and I can't explain it because language itself is designed to enslave us. And we need to move past. And when, how we will wake up as a human family is when our language evolves. And we seek as many experiences as possible um, to discover our relationship with ourselves and everything around us. Now, how does this pertain to business? This means um, we need to look at our, perhaps we look at our businesses as are they expressions of our deeper most self? And are they bringing forth and birthing what you are here to birth into this world? Or are they just there to make some money? And the businesses of the future, the ones that will sustain themselves and the ones that will be around for a long time, and the ones where the CEOs are actually fulfilled in going to work or doing what they're here to do, are the ones where they stop checking their humanness at the door, where they actually are human beings working in co-collaboration with what's coming next and for the future. And they're, and they're taking care of their people, they're taking care of their, um, their planet, and they're taking care of their overall prosperity. Those are the companies of the future that will thrive. The rest of them will become obsolete. We are building something brand new because Mother Earth is birthing something incredible, and we are a part of that. And if, you, if you're sitting there going, this sounds like a bunch of hippie stuff, then what, um, perhaps reconsider that that is a program that has been installed that wasn't really meant, that you didn't actually sign up for. And, what, and maybe the work to do is, is we, we must go back to who we are as human beings and our true nature. Because we end up as human beings 
when we, the more we disconnect with our true nature of ourselves, the sicker we get and the more anxiety we create in our lives. And, um, and I know for myself, you know, it's a continuous inquiry into who am I and what is my place in this universe? And it's a journey and make, we need to make our businesses part of that expression of that journey and make sure that they're aligned with the principles of mother earth and, and the universal laws of the universe versus, um, uh, versus putting pr- profits ahead of people and profits ahead of um, the planet. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, I was really keen to talk to you about this merging, um, this, this kind of new paradigm or this emergence of conscious business. Because really, there's been a humongous shift in the last 20 years. It seems like the 80s was represented by, by Wall Street, uh, mm-hmm. the movie, and um, the 90s potentially as well. And then you got the 2000s, just more excess and all that sort of thing. And then we, we, it seems like the crash 2008, 2009, at least in my experience, has been like a watershed. Yes. And do you feel the same? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the business is changing. And, and the, uh, even the executives uh, at the top leadership levels. I mean, Tim Ferriss was just talking about microdosing and working with these plants uh, in, you know, just on one of his podcasts. And, and Ethiogens and Joe Rogan. And this is becoming known that these, these, these plants and these medicines for us have been around for thousands of years. And uh, it seems like they're making their way back into our lives as they should for preparing us for what's next. And we need, we need to build, uh, build our businesses for, uh, that support the next paradigm, which is going to have more empathy, is going to have more connection. And, and the executives of tomorrow are doing the work so they can, their businesses can actually sustain themselves in those places. Otherwise, they'll just fail. Mm. What do you think... What do you think has shifted in the world for us to move from this place of, you know, the, the economy or, the, or big business being characterized by firms, you know, by th- that whole Wall Street vibe, uh, mm. where it's just completely profits before purpose and to, to where we're going? Like, what, is, what has been the fundamental shift? You know, if I, I think it, it, it's, it's a mystery to me, so I can do my best guess, uh, uh, but I, my best my best guess would be that uh, Mother Earth, I used to relate to, you know, let's say years and years ago when I was 15, I would see another person and I would see them as just like a body, like a physical, like there's a body and there's this person. I wouldn't feel the interdimensionalness of that person. It would just be, there's a physical being or a physical plant. And the more I started eating cleaner foods and meditating, the more the person became a spiritual being in front of me, not just a physical being. And then the more I saw that, the more I saw that I was a spiritual being having a human experience. And then I started to look at the physical reality around me, like Mother Earth herself, and I said, ah, she's a woman, she's alive. So if I just see the physical, I'm not seeing the full interdimensionalness of this being. So she's actually an interdimensional being too, not just a physical being. So I started to relate to her differently. And then I realized that I have a connection with her and that, um, that the more I grow myself, the more it seems to, to change the things around me. So, my, so, so what I started to discover was that she's, everything I do to grow myself is also supporting my fellow human beings and everything she's doing to grow is also supporting me. So I started to make the connection that there's a symbiotic relationship between us and everything around us and that all parts affect the whole. And when I changed me, it seems to shift everything around me. 
And so I stopped worrying about the world. And I started just taking care, just literally looking after my innermost self and growing myself. And it, and it came from a great quote that was from Dalai Lama. I was in a talk with the Dalai Lama. And somebody asked, how do we stop nuclear war? And he said, we first must start by disarming ourselves. So I do my best to, to dissolve boundaries between myself. And it seems to change the world around me. And if I ask what, what the catalyst was in this transformation that's actually taking place is, I feel there was a tipping point of, that where we've had enough, enough of the suppression, enough of the, um, the war, enough of the famine. We're over it. When we see through the cra- and we're starting to see through the cracks and we're realizing that we could do better. And we as human beings are incredible human beings and we are meant for far, far, far more. And, um, and that the final frontier is not out there. It's within ourselves. And I feel like that pain was we've finally hit it where we've had enough. Yeah, so basically what I'm hearing is that when we went through all that pain and people losing everything and the whole financial meltdown, it was an event which basically had an effect on, on collective consciousness. It was, the, it was the pain. It's just like an individual who goes through a breakup or, or who has a death in the family, and it's that painful experience that, that lays down the fertile soil for that next period of growth. Exactly. And yeah, it feels like that is what's happened on a, on a global collective consciousness level. And so if you, if you carry that out, if you sort of extrapolate from that, I, I feel endlessly optimistic about where we are in the world. Like, you know, even though it's easy to get sucked into the whole doom and gloom of global warming and industrialized agriculture and all these things which are actually destroying the planet, yes, that's true. But maybe this is exactly where we need to be right now. Maybe this is exactly where the Earth needs to be right now. Maybe humans are exactly where we need to be to gather together and to do the healing and the work that we need to do. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's an alchemy what's going on right now. Well, it's like as, as, as if it's like a butterfly. First, there's a caterpillar. Then it goes into a cocoon and there's a metamorphosis phase. And then it turns into a butterfly. And the metamorphosis phase isn't necessarily very pleasant. It's, it can be chaos. It can be um, things dying and transforming. And, and it's not a butterfly. It's not a caterpillar yet, but it's a metamorphosis. And so perhaps we're in a metamorphosis. We're, perhaps we're in a birthing process. Perhaps we are giving birth to a butterfly. And perhaps what this butterfly is, whatever this is, is business will be done completely differently in this new butterfly phase. And we will relate to each other differently. And boundaries between life and death and each other will be gone. Mm. So you're optimistic about our future as a, as a species? I, I have uh, full faith in the human family and uh, that we are here to make something incredible. And, um, and that's, that's it. And awesome. That's, that's the way it's going to go. That's the way it's going to go. So tell us about your events. So I, I love the name of them. So basically you run a series of events which are across Australia, and I, and I believe that you're going global, um, and they're called Free Humanity. Yeah, I, I came up with an event called Free Humanity because not because we need to be free, it's because we've always been free. Free to have the businesses that we want um, and live the lives that we want. Free to, free to travel the world. Like the, we are free human beings, and we just need to remember that. And the more we can stay with that, the better our lives um, get. And sure, we're going to have resistance on that, and that's normal uh, uh, at the external level too. Uh, but we'll, 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 we'll get through it. So it's a, it's a mix between the spiritual world and business world. You know, we do talk about tangible business stuff, and then we also talk about um, ourselves and our relationship with everything around us. Because trans- leadership without transformation, business without transformation, you can only go so far. So it's all, it's in all the, it's in, you know, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney. It's free. 
it's a free humanity. It's two days. People seem to really like it. Some people hate it because it's just not for them, and that's okay. Usually, I get usually they leave by around eleven o'clock, um, and, and the rest of the people that are meant to stay, they stay. I'm not here to work with everybody. I'm here to work with the people I'm meant to work with. Yep, awesome, man. So, uh, where can people find out about this stuff? Mm. They can go to uh, Jeffrey J E F F R E Y. Slater, S-L-A-Y-T-E-R, uh, dot com. Yeah. And they can have thousands of documentaries and business resources there. Also, they can go to the, for the event and go to freehumanityevent.com, and it's all there. Awesome, man. And let me just finally ask you, Jeffrey, just a little bit more about your personal habits and rituals of success. Mm-hmm. On a day-to-day level, how do you tap into that, that state of peak performance, or how do you find your flow state? I've been doing a range pretty much this since I've been 20, you know, changes and altered slightly, but wake up, don't hit the snooze button. So just wake up. Um, then drink a big glass of water that's spring water and make sure the windows are open. I open up with the sun, uh, the sun, sun, sun there. Keep the, make sure there's some airflow in the room. Go downstairs, have a, um, sorry, go meditate for 30 minutes and uh, then have a beautiful smoothie with all this organic food, which I'm so grateful to have. And uh, then I'll usually listen to something for 30 minutes that's inspiring, someone, a thought leader or something like that. And then uh, go for a surf. And then, uh, and then, then that's, that's my time after that. Then if I, I guess, I don't really call this work, but I guess go to work yeah. <laughs> um, by about 10 I guess, you know, something like that. And then, and then that's, but if that routine's in place, my life's pretty good. And so, so it's, it's a daily, a daily thing. Yeah. Awesome. And do you have any particular routine in the evenings, um, like, uh, at nighttime? Uh, let's see, what would be a particular routine? It's usually before I go to bed, I try and clear my, clear my head a little bit and relax. And sometimes before I go to sleep, I'll uh, most of the time actually set an intention of what, and any question that's, that I'm, in the inquiry of, I will write that question down before going to sleep. Uh, and it usually will get answered in my sleep when I wake up. I'll have a resolution or the universe will answer it for me um, in the daily life. So, uh, yeah. And, and I'll try and listen to some music or something to chill me out a little bit. Awesome, man. Good tips there. Good tips there. Cool. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Jeffrey. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. And, and for everyone listening, we're going to put show notes on the website. So that's flowstatecollective.com. And I'll put a link to all the resources um, that we have talked about here, all the things that we've talked about, um, including the work of Jeffrey himself. So thanks for coming on the show, guys, uh, Jeffrey. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys all soon. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that show, guys. It was an interesting topic conversation. I didn't know we were going to go there. Um, but it's interesting because it's been on my mind. Um, this week I've been putting it out there. I've been thinking about the next flow state adventure and really it's moving towards more of flow state quest. Um, I really feel called to go on trips and bring together people um, so that we can go and do something for the greater good. Uh, so the next trip that I'm planning, um, I'm visualizing this trip to Peru where we get a group of people and uh, all with the right intentions. And it's basically an, a quest, like a hero's quest. We're really going on an inner journey, but we're also going out there to do something for the greater good. So I'm looking to partner and align with charity groups that are doing something for the preservation of indigenous traditions and preservation of the Amazon. 
And I'm just putting it out there early um, in case anyone out there is interested in joining us on this. So email me if so, jiro at theflowstatecollective.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening and please share this with your network. Um, if there's someone you know who will be interested in this sort of thing, share it with them and jump on iTunes and leave us a nice rating and review and you'll get super big karma points and hugs from me next time I see you. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.